Frank, 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 happy total solar eclipse day. Woo, we've been waiting for this for months so that we can finally get past total solar eclipse day now. <laughs> I'm correct. excited. It's cool. It's cool. Hasn't happened yeah, I went a while, to. I I went to the local Walgreens, you know, the Walgreens by my house, and uh, I saw these wonderful signs that said, we do not have solar eclipse glasses on on display, which I thought was so funny. I, I've um, heard it's actually very crazy. Like, didn't Amazon, um, uh, you know, say, like, some of these aren't actually safe? Oh, I don't want to, like, scare people. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine to stare into the sun for a half hour. Good luck. I, I thought, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go outside and look up, right? Like, there we go. Let's just look up. And that's not what you're supposed <laughs> to do. the sun. I know where it is. <laughs> yeah, I know what's up. It's going to be dark, right? So it's not a big deal. <laughs> remember but as it's... a kid, taught us all these tricks to do it, but I don't remember any of them. I think oh. I'm just going to... <laughs> yeah, science class back in the day of growing up. Yeah. You know, I was, I'm super excited because notes. we are in Seattle, which is, I think we're at 70 or 75% total darkness oh, no, or whatever. I think we get like 90%. 90%. This is going to be so epic. Well, you know, next podcast, we can talk about our experience, I guess. But I'm excited because I don't think it happens again. I mean, it's going to happen again, but I think <laughs> it's going to be a long time. And Anyone else, any of our listeners that are experiencing 100%, if you got 100% and you spent tons of money on an Airbnb and you're going to look up for an hour and be like, well, look how cool it is, I would love to know how it is. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm just hoping the internet's going to get flooded with videos of it. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's going to be like, it's going to be real interesting. Like, are there going to be like AR and VR experiences? (laughs) And is there going to be like... An object passing in front of another object. Yes, we need the VR experience for this. Oh my goodness, that would be. And we're and I swear to all of our listeners, this is not an another yet another AR or VR episode. Oh, oh! Do we have to warn people now? <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warning. This is not about machine learning. This is not about AR. It's not VR. I thought it would be interesting this week. And, and I want to inform all of our listeners that we are recording this mere hours before the total eclipse, because we wanted to get as close to the total eclipse to make this authentic. But um, this week, I thought it'd be super interesting because we both happen to have open source projects. I don't know if you oh, know yeah. that, Frank. Oh, well, I think you have quite a few more than me. <laughs> I think you maintain, what, a thousand, two thousand, something like that. I currently, now the question is, are there projects or just GitHub repos? I have. Yeah, hey, <laughs> very different, different. But yeah, it is important, huh? Well, the question is, how many stars do you have? And I believe <laughs> you may have more stars than me, good sir. <laughs> we don't compare stars. That would be rude and awkward. Mm-hmm. No, Except um, for, the, I, I I'm going to find this tweet, by the way, that Frank uh-huh. sent me. Where it was, hmm, looks like I have more stars than you, James. Um, oh, no, I, I, I have I have a lot of projects that are smaller that are used a lot. I mean, I have m- millions of NuGet downloads and installs, so I have a lot going on. But you have maybe less than me, but I think you have bigger projects than me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't spread myself as thin as you. It's too much work. It's it's so hard to maintain uh, what projects I do have. Uh, yeah, so I tend to have... Um, they're not even bigger, to be honest. You know, I, I try to keep my projects small, but they're definitely older. And that's something I have to deal with constantly. Uh, that's why I kind of wanted to do also an episode on basically maintaining open source projects. Um, I want kind of like a retrospective on what's gone wrong, what's gone right, uh, specifically because I've been trying to catch up a lot of my projects. And by catch up, I mean actually maintain them because I've been kind of a bad maintainer. So are you saying that your projects, they're old, are they like dead? Are you trying to revive <laughs> projects from the dead? No, no, we talked about this before. They're never dead. They're stable. They're stable, James. <laughs> no, um, in particular, I'm thinking about uh, my one database project, uh, SQLite-Net. It's a little ORM over SQLite. And uh, I wrote it a million years ago. And for many reasons, some of which we can hopefully get through. Um, it, I, I just, I don't feel like I've been a good maintainer. And I was I was sitting here one day thinking, um, what gift could I give myself <laughs> this summer? <laughs> These are things I think about. What gifts can I give myself? If there was anything that you could grant yourself yeah. just to have a great, beautiful Seattle summer, exactly. it would be? It would be that my 
stupid SQLite project on GitHub was more organized and better handled because the issue system has gotten out of control. Like there were 350 plus open issues. Like I'd even want to look into it. It was so hard to get through. There were PRs I couldn't get merged. I, I couldn't get through those. The project had forked in all sorts of wonderful ways that, you know, I just couldn't keep track. And so I, I, said to myself, what would I love? What would I love is this project to actually be organized and in good shape. And so I decided there, there's really no way to get that wish other than to work your butt off. So I've the last three, four weeks, I've been just working on um, <sighs> taking control back, I guess, of the project. <laughs> so you, do you feel like you created this thing? I've been using SQLite-Net for six years. <laughs> Um, I yeah. used it in the very first app I ever created, my uh, my media center, which I think we had a good discussion about. Because I remember when I first met you, this thing used to be a code file that you would bring into yes. your application. <laughs> and you're like, hey, now it's your code. <laughs> so do you feel like you've lost grasp completely? Do you feel like it was not in your control anymore? That like, did, did someone take it from you? Did the community no. take it over or what happened? No, uh, there's a few things going on here. Um, one was the history of it. You know, the library had a split personality. I didn't know if it was a low-level library or a high-level library. Then PCLs came out and things got very confusing like that. But no, um, I feel like it was mostly just negligence on my part. I, I just want to be <laughs> like plain. Um, I, I found that actually what happened was I stopped using the library so much. You know, I stopped dog fooding it. And when you do that, especially for projects, you don't exactly uh, look into the issues very much. Otherwise, it becomes like a job, right? My job is to look into the issues and to respond to everyone. And if you're not using the library yourself, eh. I mean, do you run into that with your 10,000 libraries? How, how do yeah. you feel about it? So this is a super tricky topic because I use it. There's two things that are going on. I use most, I use not most, I use a few of my libraries all the time. So I, there's like five of my 20 libraries. Let's say I got 20 libraries, about 25% of them I use all the time, but then some of them are very specific like i use my generic libraries all the time but a specific library like my media one right like i don't really I'm not making a media application but i have this plugin because it solved an issue but my connectivity one no, i'm going to use that all the time my mvvm helpers i'm gonna use that all the time the first problem is those ones that i don't use all the time i they're harder to test for some reason like they're really hard to test they have a lot of different things i'm just like oh they're like they're more complicated into a point so it kind of makes me want to not use them as as much and then i'm like less likely to triage those issues because i'm just like oh like uh, i have to open this thing again i have to like no one else is contributing and i'm like oh come on but i know that's important but i think the second part is that a lot of my libraries, we've talked about this before, is that I create them for how I want to use them. So I often have some that have PRs that are just sitting around and like they're great PRs, but it's because that's how you want to use my library, but it's not really how right. I want to use the library. So it's hard for me to deal with those. So I'm not like, I'm not going to be mean because I don't want to tell you that I'm not going to accept this, but then it just kind of sits there and then other people send PRs and maybe I accept those or I'm changing code, but then that PR never, you know, resolves itself to become mergeable again. So I'm just like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And it's kind of crusty, <laughs> kind of crusty, kind of crusty. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, we'll start with the um, people who want features that you're not exactly sure you want as the project owner. Uh, for me, that was always the multi-column primary key. So if you love yourself some databases, it seems like everyone wants multi-column primary keys. And I was like, nah, that's a dumb feature. You shouldn't really be designing your database like that, you know? This is this is me putting my uh my philosophical bent on a library, right? Mm -hmm. And for eight years or however old this library is, I've I've held strong to that. But then in this last triaging uh, exercise I've been going through, I'm like, you know what? Why am I being such a stickler about it? Uh, you know, and so actually I'm flipping my decision on that. I am going to support multi-column primary keys. So it's funny, like I've seen some PRs and it's just like, this wasn't the right time for it. You know, like I, the library wasn't in the right state. I wasn't in the right state, whatever it was. And they just didn't get merged. But uh, have you ever... Uh, 
gone back to a PR that maybe you close like that or do you just leave them open? It's um, there's there's one that I flipped on recently, to be honest with you. This was this was an interesting one when I when I talk about maintaining a project, because sometimes the project gets away from you and other people are like, hey, I'm going to take your project. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to just reship it because I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, it's open source. Just don't publish my exact same project with my icons, which people have with done many a times. Yeah. So my geolocator one is very interesting. So I actually do use this in demos a lot and I really like it. And I wrote tons of logic for Android and the Android one, I, I really, for a long time, was like, I'm not going to have any dependencies. I'm just going to use the core APIs. It's going to make my life easier. And I rewrote all of this business logic and it's like, so com- it's so complex, but it works a lot better now in the new version. But about maybe six months ago, someone's like, hey, I forked your project and I as added Google Play Services Fuse to location, which is really simple. Like, it's a really great API. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Make Maybe send a PR down, right? Yeah. I'm like, let me see what let me see what it looks like. And I'm just, I'm not ready to commit, but maybe. So six months pass and then someone sends me a PR and it's actually open. Oh, no, I closed it. Oops. Okay. Um, <laughs> or maybe they closed it. So they send me a PR. Um, Steve himself, I think is his name. And he goes, hey, I took that other... I took that other sample, that other repo, and I and I actually did the PR because you said do the PR, even though this wasn't the the developer that did the original forking. So I'm just like yeah. it's very confusing. <laughs> and um, I go, I, I, I so I actually pulled down the source code, and for a while I just didn't do anything. I'm just like eh, I'm just gonna let it sit there for a little bit, and then I go, you know what? I actually do want this feature. I do yeah. want this, and then I looked at the source code, and I go. Uh, but I don't want any of your source code. I do, but oh. then I don't at all because okay. I need to. Re- I need to implement it how I want to implement it. Just I think that's my hardest my part of those. This is. Uh, I, I've had the same problem going on. Um, my problem's been compounded by my negligence in that uh, I have these PRs that I didn't quite merge in the beginning because I wanted to work around with a little bit, and then four years have gone by. <laughs> And so I'm in this very awkward situation of where I'm like, yeah, I actually do want this PR. And so I'm like reviving this thread from four years ago, like, hey, still interested in committing this? Or should I just copy and paste your code and get this merged in manually myself? So just wanted to mention that little bit of awkwardness. It it is awkward. And and I think Steve was like super kind about it. And I go, hey, Steve, like I'm going to use pieces of your PR, but I'm going to redo it just because I have a few different ideas of it. And, you know, I think when I look at PRs and I look at people contributing my project, it's I, I like to contribute to projects too. And I've learned something by having so many projects. I think you learn a lot by maintaining open source projects, which is a lot of people are first time contributors. And I want to be very nice, even if it's an issue. And I I love simple pull requests, like fixing my documentation or doing little tiny changes. Please. That's great. (laughs) Send more of those. And I love them. And like, if you see something, say something, that's kind of my thing. Did you mean that? Like, oh, I don't know if I meant that. Like, let me go ahead and change that. So what I kind of find is that sometimes people want to add features. That's great. Like, and I, and I kind of want them to discuss it with me a little bit, but even if you don't like send the PR down, like, let me take a look at it. Maybe it's awesome. Let's have a discussion there. Let's have a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, is don't change architecture or try to (laughs) try to, we've talked about this on the past episodes where like, don't try to shoehorn your methodologies into my, that's a different PR, right? That's a, that's a different PR. That's what I always say is, yeah, we'll do a white space PR. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A refactoring PR. A refactoring PR. And that's totally fine too. But like, I think as I learn about these, I start becoming a better maintainer too, where I'm like, or a contributor where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to try to change this or spacing or tabbing. I'm going to have a discussion point around this. So it's hard. I think, you know, dealing with issues is one thing because you're trying to, you're trying to not only answer questions that come up, then, you know, maybe you're trying to document them. So I have all these document things and you're trying to like, you're, you have so many other projects going on. You're, you also have your job. So all Turns these out. issues of triaging become an, a problem. So are yeah. you making a part of your job, I guess? Uh, no, other than I'm trying to add a little bit of a work ethic of like 10 minutes a day, something like that. Actually, though, the way I'm going to grant myself this gift is what I'm saying is I want one less open issue every day. So that's my like minimum bar. So at least by Christmas time, I would have uh, uh, at least a repo in order. 
but you know, some days I hope to go faster than that. I actually want to circle back to um, a, a few things. The PR that was um, a feature someone added, but you're you, you want to change it because you didn't like the architecture of it. How do you handle those? I, I I feel like I should go through the code review process and slowly force them to change it into the exact code I want. Um, but at the same time, I feel like um, that's also wasting people's time. You know, if if I want to do it differently, then I should just close it and do it. But at the same time, I don't have the time to do it. That's why it hasn't <laughs> been done. Oh, circular thoughts. It's hard. It's- this is hard. I think that I think anyone that's tried to maintain a open source project or even you know everyone's like open source everything under the sun but like <laughs> guess what open sourcing stuff is really hard. Like it's 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 hard and it's time consuming. So there's a few things to get to your exact question. I deal in it with it one of three ways. One, it's a great feature. I'm going to pull it in immediately. I just suck it in, right? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Um, no problem. And, and that's rare because usually what I'll do is I'll <laughs> use the tools built in to do reviews. And, and hopefully if it's a great PR, maybe I still like say, hey, can you change this? Can you change this? And, the, and if they want the PR, then they change it. The problem is when people, you give them, you know, feedback and you're like, hey, like, are you actually going to own this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other part is what you're saying is like, I don't really like how you did this. I liked the idea, but I'm not really going to take it in. You can do one of two things. You can say, hey, I'm going to implement this feature, but I'm going to close it and I'm going to do it myself. Okay. (laughs) That may make them feel a little bit bad, I think. And that's the hard part is you don't want to, I see you have 161 open issues and 20 PRs on this SQLite net. And (laughs) it was so many more. (laughs) I bet it was. But that's the thing is like, you still have all these PRs, but some of them are very old and you're just like, I want to close it because maybe I've already fixed it or I want to do it a different way. And then you're like, hmm, um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to do it a different way. So maybe I'll just close it. But then if you close it, you hurt people's feelings. So then what you want to do is, I've done this before, is I will take the PR and instead of, for some reason, everyone just wants to go right to master. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to master, create a different branch and accept that PR in, right? So that PR goes into a different branch that you can work off of. So then the PR actually gets closed because it's contributed, but it doesn't actually mean that it's in the product. And then you can kind of work that way of like, hey, this thing is there's, you can see the history and you can see this was pulled in and I did, I I either can work out of that branch and change it based off of that and then suck it in. So then it has that flow of like, here's all the changes I did to your code. And I kind of like that. Do you like that? I I really like that. And for some reason I hadn't even considered that option. yeah, nailed it. Um, we we had a little talk before this show, and you had mentioned uh, PRs to master, and I completely uh, miscomprehended what you were talking about. <laughs> so it's good to have that. So just to clarify for everyone, um, if I have a, a repo, we always worry about master. Master is the most current code. But if we have a PR that we want to work on off to the side, just create a branch. It's so obvious. I'm kind of dumb. What I thought we were going to talk about was actually a small pet peeve that I've developed. Uh, if you are going to contribute to an open source project, uh, please don't do your PRs from your own master branch. It becomes like a little red herring to me. What inevitably happens is your PR becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because you keep changing your local copy, your local master, and the PR that you're trying to get uh, pushed into the project upstream also becomes bigger and keeps tracking your changes. So instead of the tight focus PR that we mentioned that we love because we can just click the merge button and not worry about it, that disappears very quickly. So just a little plea out there. Please, please never do a PR from your own master branch. It's scary. It's so hard, right? It's so tricky because it's... The flow is I downloaded a library. I don't quite like how it works. So I I checked out the source code and then I changed it. I did a commit and you're very proud of it and you want to contribute back to the back to the project. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately at that point you've committed my faux pas. You've committed to master and now you're going to PR from master. Uh so it's tough because I know that's what we all do. It's what I do. <laughs> so at that point you just have to have the discipline to okay, create a new branch, move that commit over to that branch branch and do the PR from that. And and this becomes a practice that I'm trying to do myself, actually, in a lot of our projects is you and I work on a project together. It's called the Xamarin Live Player, if people have never heard of it. (laughs) Um, We had a interesting thing that you and I both were doing for a long time, which is probably more me than you. (laughs) 
and Cody maybe a little bit, but um, we were all just committing to master all the time. And that's all we were doing. And guess what? Whenever we did stuff to master, we were kicking off CI builds and then things were getting pushed out and but things aren't done yet. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we put a very strict discipline in place of branches and not, not necessarily names, but those are also good too. So even in my own projects, because I do this all the time with uh, my plugins, you'll start to see me have all these random little branches. And it's great because I can start working on a feature, Yep. save everything over there, Love come it. back to master. And guess what? It's, <laughs> it's things that you think are implicit, but then when you're working in a, and you're maintaining a, a library by yourself, it's hard for you to do that. Or you, you fork something and you're like, I'm going to make this change. Why would I create a, a branch? Like, why yeah, would I do that? That's annoying. That's silly. <laughs> why am I creating more work for myself? But like, no, it's actually really super important. So you can do things like this where, oh, I'm going to do a PR and I'm not going to do it to master. And we have great tools now, especially in GitHub, to actually let you change things and kind of move things around. But think about that, I guess, when you're planning out your actual um, PR. Take some time to learn that, I would say, too, if you don't know how branches and things like that work. Yeah, I really love that. Um, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just really excited by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what else, Frank, that I'm super excited for? Our good friends over at Raygun. You know them. You love them because they are everything that you need for crash reporting to help detect and diagnose software errors and real user monitoring to fix performance issues when your apps are out in the world. And what kind of apps am I talking about? Every app that you can possibly think of, whether it's an iOS, Android, Xamarin application, ASP.NET Core application, JavaScript application, you name it, they support it. They'll automatically pick up and monitor for uncaught exceptions. But what I love about Raygun, because I use them myself, is that you can track your own exceptions that you catch. You can add additional user data on them. You can add just additional call stack data on them. It's bananas. And they integrate into all your favorite systems. So if you're using Slack, GitHub, Zendesk, VSTS, they'll automatically create issues. If your source code is there, they can link up. I remember I had a crash in my debug build and I turned it on and automatically I could see the line in GitHub of the the crash that was happening in my app, it was amazing. So where do you learn more to get your hands on Raygun and integrated into your applications in just a few minutes? Well, you go to raygun.com slash merge conflict. You can get a full 30-day trial of Raygun crash reporting for any of your applications by just going again to raygun.com slash merge conflict, download their SDK, get it in your apps and start detecting and diagnose your software errors with Raygun. Thanks Raygun for sponsoring Merge Conflict. Thank you, Raycon. Yeah, I'm getting real good at these. I'm really getting real good at these sponsorship reads. I enjoy <laughs> like <them. laughs> not getting better at PRs and, and closing issues, uh, but you know what my favorite feature in GitHub is? It's what? the um, first time contributor badge oh, that you so get good. when you send a PR. Because you know, I'm <laughs> maybe I'm not the nicest person on the planet, but when I see that badge, I become the nicest person on the planet. <laughs> like, oh, I love what you did here. Let's work this through. Let's change this or that or something else. It's just a great badge when you're maintaining a project where you know is this someone I've dealt with before, so I can be a little more curt and specific, and you know straight to the point or a first time contributor, you can really walk them through getting fixes in. I love that feature. Yeah. I also like that you can basically go and also see if they've already contributed to the repo too. So you can get a contributor badge, you can get an owner badge, obviously if you own it, and then you get that first time contributor too, which I love because like, Hey, you're a first time contributor. It can be a small, and like, I think if you're a first time contributor, don't be worried if it's a big PR or a small PR, because guess what? Just because we'll tell you, um, yeah, we'll tell you just because it's your first PR doesn't mean that you live and breathe in the world of open source all the time. Like I completely understand that too. So, you know, just go with it and do a great job of that PR and really understanding the, the, I've learned a lot by reading the .NET, the open source, like the Roslyn issues. Yeah, because there's a huge discussion about them and there's it's like planning almost. It's like, here's the here's the problem. Here's how I'm going to solve it. Like, here's some of the implementation. Here's things that I've thought about it. Like, let's actually have that discussion about what's going on. And I love that you can just see because also as you start contributing, even if it's small, I start to trust you a little bit more that, oh, this this person is actually cares about this project and they've come back to it and they've interacted and they've added reactions, you know, and Mm -hmm. and if you want to be really involved, guess what? GitHub 
is amazing. There's reviewers, there's assignees. You can add labels onto your project, which I simply love. Like I'd start labeling all my stuff, high, low, medium priority, or if it's a question or if it's like something I'm not going to fix. Like I started doing that. I don't use the project, but like no. I start doing that. I start <laughs> linking the, this stuff. I don't know. The labels have been really helpful for me. Like I said, I had way too many open issues and um, attacking that list. It's just like, where do you even begin? That That's the, the overwhelming part. Um, Labels. That's what I decided. <laughs> Labels are my uh, my sanity to bring to the world. So my goal is not to have zero open issues. My goal is to have zero unlabeled issues. I want to know, is this a feature request? Is this a bug report? Or do they just have like a vague question about the library? Like, we're not sure. Maybe it's a feature request. Maybe it's a bug. You know, just not sure yet. But basically, it's been looked at and uh, uh, read through. And so th that's what I'm actually aiming for is I use those three main labels now. And it's a lifesaver because my home screen when I open my browser now is the unlabeled issues in the repo. And I I, I, I really like this system actually. And I almost wish you could uh, just get a master feed from GitHub of like, show me all my repos and all the unopened issues. Because, you know, I, I have let's call it five or six open source projects. There's more, but uh, it's too many to like jump around through in the morning. Like, am I supposed to manually round robin through it? It'd be so nice to have that master feed. Uh, I don't know how you possibly deal with your issues. Like, do you um, check every site every day? <laughs> I am I am haunted by the oh, blue good. dot. Yes. <laughs> it is the bane of my, bane, vein, bane of my existence. All, all the above. <laughs> It is the it is the thing that nags me and keeps me up at night. It if you don't have an open source project, that is the GitHub notifications. Someone has done something on one of your repos, and we really want to tell you, and we're not going to get rid of that dot until you click on every single one. Oh, the dot never goes away, huh? Somehow I've trained myself to not see the dot anymore because I I can't handle it anymore. It, it's drive me insane. It is so upsetting. All the time. But I want to actually, we like to jump around, but I was on your repo because I'm addicted to your repo. And I wanted to talk about first timers more because I see that you have four labels. And the one that's most intriguing to me, which I may implement your system, is up for grabs. Now, up for grabs is I'm saying like, hey, I like this and maybe I'll do it, but probably you should do it. Now, did you... <laughs> Did you use first, like we're talking about first timers, did you use like first timers only or the up for grabs website or how are you managing that? Because I don't actually, I don't, I don't do that. I'm actually interested. Oh, uh, so this is something I saw in one of the .NET repos first. I'm sure this is an old GitHub thing. Uh, but the idea here, at least for me, I don't know what the real meaning is, but here's what I took it as. Yes, I want this feature, or yes, I want this bug fixed. No, I do not have the time <laughs> to implement this feature or fix this bug. This is an open source project. Please, someone help me here. That's all it means. And I gave it a big green label because it's good. Come help me. Um, the I don't have a priority system. I, I probably should at some point. Um, but basically, my thought is anyone could come to this project, see one of these big green tags, and maybe one of them will, you know, interest them, and they'll want to contribute something like that. But it's basically me just acknowledging, and the, this is <laughs> the deeper truth of the matter, me acknowledging that I don't have the time to do all this stuff. Whereas before, I felt guilty that I didn't have the time for it. Now I'm just flat admitting like, look, I don't have, you know, I don't have the bandwidth for this. Please help. And that's all it is. A plea for help. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. I think that I'm looking here and I don't know. I think you might have to do up. I don't know. I don't know how they're filtering this, but there actually is a whole website that if you're interested, I'm going to put it's called upforgrabs.net. There's there's like hyphens in there for some reason, but yeah, maybe you can I got go and you can tag. Yeah, you can look. I think yours should be in here or something like that. But there's a whole bunch of different repos and you can see what's in there and you can contribute, which is kind of cool. And there's also this first timers only. And I think mm. <laughs> first timers only is like a similar thing. Oh, it's the same thing. It's like, hey, you know, there's this, you know, if you're a first timer, hey, look for up for grabs. Here's how to blog, how to contribute. Here's how to do a first PR. And like kind of learning GitHub too, which is important too. I'll link to both of these because they're pretty awesome. I think Scott Hanselman put that together um, with a few other people, with Kent and a few. And it's hard because I think that um, you can use actually a first timers only label. Oh, that's really cool. 
I don't um, know. Yeah, that one's tricky. I don't. I don't know if I like segregating like that. It's. It's yeah. for me. It's just go find one that speaks to you. Like maybe yeah. it's a feature you already implemented or something like that. I get I the like first that. timers only though. Like um, documentation is always a great one to start. You know, I I love the people who do documentation PRs. Like yes, you are my hero. Please keep yeah. documenting yeah. my library for me. <laughs> and, and and I will love you forever. And yes. I. <laughs> I'm super nice about it too, because I want I, I, I inherently, I want to be nice to all of my contributors, whether it's an issue, whether it's a PR, whether it's a document PR, or, and, and you may think like, oh, I'm correcting his spelling, right? When I'm doing this thing, like, no, 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 that's fine. Because I have typos all the time. When you yeah. read my blog on blog.zammer.com, that has been copy edited by somebody because I, I'm, I'm good at grammar and spelling, but I type really <laughs> I <talk> fast. <laughs> So fix that. And that'd be great because I will also fix them. I'm not telling everyone to fix all my typos, but if you see them, might as well fix them. And that's great because I have, I have some contributors in my project. That's all they do all the time. And I'm like, Hey, I created this documentation. And like within 10 minutes, it's like, yeah, fix this, fix this, fix this. Like, that's great. I love that. (laughs) Yep. I will thumbs up that all day. Um, and, and I want to be nice to everybody. And I think as you maintain a project, you also have the hard time of, trying to remain nice i feel like i'm mean all the time so i don't know okay niceness niceness um i try to keep it professional so i don't i don't put flowers and you know i don't um say way to go champ always though i i do because i like to be a cheerleader i think if you're a project if you're Let's face it, any kind of leader. If you're <laughs> if you're trying to get people to do something you want, you got to be nice to them and you got to encourage them, you know, do that stuff. Um, but in the very bare minimum, I try to keep it professional and all that. Um, I don't really have that issue. Everyone's been pretty nice. I had one issue where when I was in the, my deepest of not maintaining this project very well, uh, it got severely forked a few different directions <laughs> and features started going everywhere. And so a lot of my issues just started pointing to different repos and everything. And there's a lot of chit chat and name calling and all that stuff back and forth, but you just, just stay out of it. If people want to fork your project, um, you don't have to support them. You don't have to encourage them, but stay away from them. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think of it as uh, there was this good analogy of of .NET being open source, which is you can pick the the temperature, the flavor profile, if you will, of .NET. And I've seen this in a few different uh, .NET examples. You have the well done .NET, which is this is the current shipping gold master certified uh, release <laughs> gotcha. to the world. You have the medium which is the um you know pre-release package right like oh it's pretty well tested there's a a nightly build basically of this and you can install it you can get it then you have the um the medium uh rare which is uh fork this and i'm gonna work on it myself and i'm gonna build it myself and cherry pick things and then you have the it's bloody it's raw ouch it is the this package has gone over here and this thing I have Frank's version of .NET and, you know, Microsoft is not going to maintain that. I can't maintain, I can't support X version that's been forked over here and all this stuff. Right. And so you have to pick, I guess, as a, as a consumer of these, who you want to support and what you want to point out. But, um, if someone forks a project and steals my, the name of my project, it's, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, it's not mine. Yeah. Uh, but then they'll say like, oh, but I implemented this feature in this other fork, you know, uh, why don't you pull that back in? I'm just like, you know how much work that is? Like, do you do you even comprehend <laughs> but it's a lot <laughs> yeah are you are you using tools along the way though because i talked a little bit about github and ish and uh, labels and 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 how we deal with issues and changing branches but are you putting processes in place as you're main yeah. going through this um yeah and, and and i think this all goes back to our continuous integration talk uh our ci servers i think that Getting that under control was my first step, honestly, to getting this project under control. There were, um, throughout its lifetime, there were a lot of issues with like, how do you build it exactly? How do you test it exactly? How does it get packaged? All of that. And it was all done by scripts on my side and was very, you know, honestly cumbersome. And so once I got my CI in order where it was actually running unit tests properly and I actually built up the unit tests so that we don't have regressions and that things like that. Then I felt like I had 
a rock to build upon, something stable, you know, like I'm not building on quicksand here anymore and not dealing with weird releases and trying to figure out versions or anything. That's all taken care of of for me now. Now I can focus just on issues and getting these things through. So thank God for CI. It's, It's really, it's changed how I approach open source projects. I don't know how I could have possibly managed these things before. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat because how I used to do things was I used to I mean, this is time, right? This is time that I had to put in to get the CI stuff all set up and all this stuff working. But it's worth it because at the end, I I used to have to package up the nougats myself. I was building it. I'd have a special VM and I would package it and I'd run right. commands and like I just do stuff. I had someone ask me, they're like, hey, I saw you made this this change, this change in the um, in the code. And can I get in? Can I get a nougat package of it? And I go, mm-hmm. no, you can't get a nougat package of it. <laughs> That's because, like hard, dude. <laughs> because I, I haven't, you know, I just, yeah, I, I have it's in a, and it's in a branch, and I, I'm just moved it into master, but I'm kind of bundling some stuff up together. I want like another week to put some other stuff in here, not just a one-off bug fix, hot fix. So it's not that major, right? It's like a minor bug fix, and um, and I go, but hey. It's in CI. Use the CI myget or whatever, you know, like the CI nougat feed. Now we're going into that medium rare, right? Like, hey, this is that little dev dev branch. You know, it's not even a pre-release of nougat. It's use that if you want it, right? You can have yeah. it. And yeah. To have that ability, just when it builds or someone else builds, they could just get that package or they could you know, do it themselves and they can put it in a CI. It's been so helpful and it's it's something that kind of changed how I do everything, right? So. When you talk about tests, right? So, hey, listen, did it not only just build, but did it actually run the test? And I've had people that have done PRs and changed the um, interface, but then not update the other projects. Like, oh, I'm just doing this on Android. I'm like, well, the the entire thing fails now. And why does it fail? Because the CI server said that you didn't implement it on this version of Windows. And they're like, well, I don't have it on. I don't have a a Windows PC. And I'm like, well, you got to figure out how to change it anyways. Um, I I had a tricky version of that problem, actually. Um, the, this database library has both uh, a synchronous uh, way to talk to the database, which is blocking calls, you know, your normal database stuff. Execute this now, the function returns after it's been executed. But it also has an asynchronous interface. And this is for writing kind of mobile apps where you don't want to block the UI thread. You want it to work in the background thread and just get back to you when it's done. Well, these two APIs all in the same library, they would get out of sync with each other. There were some things you could do in this API, but not in the other and not in the other. So I ended up having the right one of the weirdest unit test apps ever, which um, just uses reflection to go through and make sure that the API of these two uh, classes are the same, that I'm not missing one from the other. And that actually just became a unit test for me that runs on the CI. So if I ever make the mistake of adding the API in one place, it's not something a build can catch. We don't have high order types, unfortunately. And so you have to rely on a manually written test, but oh, what a weird problem to have to solve. But it, it saved my bacon because that was one of the worst parts of this library was that out of syncness. Yeah. How funny is it to think that just like writing a simple unit test and having it run every time would really change, <clears throat> change your life? I, I feel like people have been telling me this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah it's, it's kind of funny because these tools have all gotten so much better and a lot of them are free, especially for open source, which I really like. And mm-hmm. I think we've used GitHub for a long time for our code and we've seen GitHub evolve. Like we talked about labels, which have been there for a long time, but we also talked about just changing the uh, branch name of it. I've done two other things that I've done too is, well, one thing that they do is they do these great GitHub reviews. Like it's so great, the reviewing of code where you can just do a review and you can literally point at lines of code and click comment button and comment on them. Um, which I think is fantastic for discussion. Have you been doing this in your project, like in your PRs? Like, oh, I don't, I like, I often be like, this, this tab is not, is not correct. You know what I mean? Just, oh, yeah. Can you fix that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a few thoughts here, but, uh, for sure I've started to. I didn't in the past. And I think one of the problems, uh, with my maintenance of the project was I didn't know how to use all the features of GitHub. So I've had to force myself to learn what every button does, click every button, try it out and learn it. And yeah, I, I've really converted over to the review system. Even if no one asked for a review or anything like that, I still, you know, give it a thumbs up or thumbs down with that. It's, um, 
it's just a better way to have a discussion. Like, um, do you remember the old days of like saying, well, I think in this function it should do that, but now you just point right to it or something point like to that. The code. It's much better. Yeah. Yeah. From a it's, um, technology is getting better and I think their tools are getting better. And then I'm still learning because I keep, I keep doing this thing where I'll accidentally leave features on on GitHub that I didn't actually mean to. Yeah. Like I'll accidentally <laughs> leave the wiki on or I'll leave the projects, the projects on. So people are like, should I look at the wiki? And I'm like, there's nothing in the wiki. Just like turn it off. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, another funny mistake I made with this project is I did not have a standard formatting guide as in, uh, the great tabs versus spaces debate. You know how I solved it? Both <laughs> use whatever the heck you want. <laughs> and you can imagine that, um, made accepting PR is very difficult because everyone's favorite text editor would go through and bash the source code file. And another funny thing about this library is it is all in one source code file because of history and reasons. And so it was so easy to create conflicts. And so I have these 20 PRs open right now for the most part because they all conflict with each other and not in functional, important, good ways, but in idiotic white space and brace matching ways. And so here's the conundrum i'm in some of these are years old just you know old ancient things and i have no i don't expect the author to come back you know that that's a huge expectation to disappear for three years and then expect them to come back and so getting these things merged a they won't merge because of you know all the formatting changes and b the author's gone i didn't know what to do with these so what i think i'm going to do though is take your advice create a branch merge it in, reapply the the now standardized white spacing and then work from there. Uh, but basically they're all just in this like stalemate situation because none of them can merge with any of the others. It's so, uh, yeah, and you don't expect, like why would someone come back after four years that maybe they're not even using GitHub anymore? Right. I I, um, I I implemented this thing called, there's two things that I did to help standardize things. I realized that I also didn't have any standards because mm-hmm. how I like to develop things. So I've been using editor config. Do you know about that? We talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've completely switched over to it. It's just this little text file you put in your root directory or actually it obeys uh, branching too. So you can put in subdirectories and all that. Uh, but you can specify down to all the options we're used to saying in the formatting specs and our favorite IDEs. We can standardize it in the project finally. And at least what? Visual Studio 2015 supports it, but you need a plugin. And then 2017 supports it out of the box. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Out of the box, which is nice. And then there's an extension for Visual Studio, at least 2017, where you can get like IntelliSense in the editor config. So you can like do some things which are nice. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of options in there. It's a little tricky, but I've, I've got a pretty standard one now. Yeah, and I have a standard one that I use. I just kind of pulled it from a .NET one that I kind of liked. And what I like about it is that Roslyn will kick in and like Roslyn will also give you recommendations where I'm like, hey, I want everything to be expression body members. It's like, all right, cool. Like everything. Oh, will be expression OK, that's you know. OK. I like it. See, I, I worry a little bit because I have a little PTSD around FX cop and people obsessing over literally trivial things this is triviality it in roslyn it's called trivia like it doesn't matter and so i hate to get into big um i hate to waste too much time obeying a stupid set of rules from a idiotic fx cop program but at the same time for open source it is it is kind of nice to have that regularity so i see both sides of that yeah it's super nice yeah have you um have you used talking about kind of some built-in features, but also templating or helping people out along the way of like, hey, this is how the standards are. Have you used the built-in GitHub templates at all yet? I, I've used them as a user. I, I've used other projects that have them. And what these are is when I hit new 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 issue, <laughs> new bug, new feature, whatever, um, it has what usually like a description of what uh, the project maintainer wants uh what did you expect what actually happened how did this make you feel do you like grass or not you know just dumb questions but i i like it um um because it forces people to think i just i felt a little um pandered to when i was doing it in other projects but at the same time i saw their point like uh, we just need these facts people (laughs) yeah it's it's one of those things where i think of 
if you want to be a good contributor and I want good contributors, we all got to get on it. So I have one for new issues and pull requests. And when you hit new issue, it says, I have this huge thing in bold that says, failure to fill out this information will result (laughs) in the issue being closed. That might be a little negative. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't fill this out, I'm going to close this issue. And I actually- throw a joke in there. (laughs) <laughs> I think I got even more about it because I used to have like, is this a feature or is it a, is a, is it a, is it a bug? So if it's a bug, I just say, fill this out. And I have literally steps, expected actual code snippet screenshots. And like, and I also want to know version of the plugin device. It was tested on simulator. What version of visual studio, what version of Xamarin, like yeah. what version of other things? Like I need a few too many things, buddy. <laughs> I want it all Frank. And I, I don't expect everyone to fill out everything. But, at the but same that time, warning at the top said, you know, mixed messages, you know, so maybe you should have that cutoff line. These are absolutely required. These are optional. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it, I know it's tough. It's tough. It's tricky. And then and then I get to the point where I'm like, all right, so if someone tries to fill this out, do I if they don't fill it out, do I actually close it or not? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or false threats, man. You got to follow through if you're going to be a dictator. Do I have false threats? I have false threats. I can't help it. But, uh, you know, just help me out a little bit. Now, have you, a final thing I want to talk about is, have you looked into taking this project or some of your projects that are popular and thought about going down a route of a foundation like the .NET Foundation and know about the .NET Foundation? (laughs) I am mostly going to be speaking from a place of ignorance when it comes to the .NET Foundation. Uh, if, If I'm fully honest... I have no clue what they do. I know what they are. I know that they absorb open source projects. I assume that they throw some like parties or something, but I really don't understand the point of it or any of that. And I'm sure you're about to lecture me on how awesome they are. But at the same time, I'm more independent than that. I really can't enjoy the thought of handing something off to a foundation. (laughs) So this is tricky because I have talked to a lot of the people that help run the foundation Mm -hmm. and the down foundation is easy. Uh, Basically Mm -hmm. there are over 500 projects in the foundation, things like Mm -hmm. automapper, ASP.net, cake, Cecile. um, Very high uh, level. It's quite, it's quite the club. It feels like playing at a country club. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But then you have other things like MailKit, MimeKit, Nancy, Nuget. I mean, Nuget's in there, right? You have some projects like Open Live Writers in there, um, Poly, Prism. Like a you have a bunch of, of Microsoft stuff, right? products in there. Yeah, you have some other things. And so what they do is they don't absorb your project. That's, that's mm. the interesting part mm. is the project actually stays in your name, in your repo, but it gets like the help of it. Like there's a steering committee, there's... Um, essentially a committee. So like if something happens to Frank, the project remains and it goes on. Or if you're like, I'm kind of over this project, the project is so important that the project must continue on in some fashion. So there's other people that are passionate about it, or they can say, Hey, there's this really passionate project. We want to put some structure behind it. Like we'll help you with CLA management, with SSL certs. We'll give you code signing. We'll pay for your software to build it and we'll help with, you know, um, you know, hosting or domain name registrations. Like we'll help with all that. We have a fund to help out your project. So I think that that's kind of interesting. And it kind of depends on how big your project is, but maybe it doesn't. It's something to look at, I think, if you're at a point where you're like, hey, this project is almost too big for just me. And maybe I need someone to help me out. And I've thought about like, do all my plugins belong in there? Like, do I want to give up? I'm in the same place. Like, I've like, do I want to give up my grasp on that? Like, how do I feel about it? And sometimes I like things to be on mine. They're mine. I made them. They're mine. Yeah, like I said, I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. And it's not quite that, though. It's not that I don't want to give up control, because obviously, I lost control of this project years ago. No biggie. I'm I'm over that. Um, I guess it's uh, my fundamental fear of bureaucracy. (laughs) So I would I would actually have to see what it involves and all that. But I couldn't, I couldn't handle the 10,000 email Microsoft world, where everyone discusses every minute detail over a 10,000 message thread and so possible you know uh i think if it was handed over to a foundation i think that's the time to actually give it up for me personally but that's that's awesome um i didn't know they were that lightweight i think it's um 
<laughs> a lot of old old ideas about what the .NET Foundation was. I need to update, keep an open. We mind. should have um, we should have we've never had guests on, but um, we should have like John. <laughs> we like teasing it though. We do <laughs> like name throwing, like Galway. Yeah, he he'll just come on. You know, just no come problem. On. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that. It would be fun. Maybe we'll get Hansel in to talk about the switch or something. I don't know. Is this what you want to talk? Frank, Frank, I know Frank was so excited about talking about this. Do we cover everything that you want to talk about managing? There's so much that I don't even think we scraped the surface of managing an open source project. I did. Uh, but if there's a moral to the story, I, I just want to make it clear. Um, this project wasn't going to fix itself. <laughs> I had to uh, decide one day that I was just going to put the time into it. And it was a reminder for me that, A, things that are worth doing are is worth doing well. An old cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. But B, um, um, you can get through it. I had 350 open issues like a month ago, and now I have 160. And honestly, they're not that bad. And so, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So don't be like me. Don't become afraid of your own project. Dig in there, start labeling it. And uh, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, definitely organization, caring about it. I mean, you always cared about it, but also revigorating that care and passion for the project that you had and saying like people want this people you know want this to be great and hopefully people join in to help out and um that's a good that's a good way of looking at it is I, when i start to triage my bugs i get to that point where i'm like oh like it's maybe it's not that bad and also when i look at my project and know it has 50 issues then mm-hmm. that, you know, that's okay too it's it's okay yeah. that if there's a lot of questions there's a lot of ideas about it there's it's 50 a lot of... open discussions basically it's mm-hmm. a lot of discussions to be having but that's what it is it's not that this thing is defective in 50 ways <laughs> or 161 exactly. 161 was and by the time this comes out maybe it'll be 160 if oh, it's by midnight <laughs> <laughs> we shall see um cool anything else you want to chat about frank or you kind of want to no, wrap this, this puppy up? Me. i also just wanted to gloat about getting that issue countdown so woo, good mission accomplished well, when, <laughs> when it's at the- zero which it never will be because that's how you know it's a great open source project um you will come back and talk about it um all right frank well this is going to be it for merge conflict number 59 can you believe it happy total solar eclipse day to everybody out there if you had an awesome pick make sure you hit us up on the internet uh i'm at james Montemagno. frank is at proclarum the show is at merge conflict fm and of course at any time you can reach us by going to the contact button on mergeconflict.fm, which will navigate an email directly into our inbox which we love to read we love to hear what's going on and you can also tell us how you feel about the podcast by going and leaving a review on your favorite podcast application such as apple podcasts or anything else where you're subscribed or you're telling your friends about the podcast we would love it we love you and we would love if you subscribe and tell everyone that you possibly know to go listen to some merge conflict and 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 um and don't feel fr- don't feel scared about contributing to james or frank's github repos if you- that's one <laughs> thing i also want to make sure people know don't do it we want the pr send them our way all right frank well until next time i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening to